Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborne. And I'm Amanda Miller. And we're thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter's back again today as our faithful barista, and we have a full show for you today. Dr. Marlon Delatore, the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese, will join us in a few minutes to continue our series on evangelization. Then at about 8.20 or so, we'll welcome into the cafe Tina Birch, Director of Evangelization and Formation at St. Francis de Sales Church in Newark, and Carrie Shoots Daunt of the JP2 Healing Center, author of Undone, Freeing Your Feminine Heart from the Knots of Fear and Shame, and speaker at the upcoming Undone Women's Retreat. We'll chat about how these knots of sin and shame can conceal the profound beauty of the feminine heart. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. You start us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings, for all the ways that you are loving us, sustaining us. Lord, we ask that you touch each and every one of our hearts today, that you would remind us of your love, especially in those places that maybe we've forgotten it or those places that we're unsure, or those places that we're scared, those places that um, just need that extra love today. Lord, we, we open our hearts to you to come minister to us in that way, and in turn, help us to pour out our heart to you and to give ourselves to you. Lord, we thank you for all the, the community and the ministries that you have given to us around us. Help us to tap into those resources so that we can continue growing so that we can learn about evangelization, so that we can come to love our brothers and sisters and to invite them into your goodness. We thank you for the work that you are doing in us and in your church. We ask Mary to come alongside us, to pray for us, to intercede for us, so that we can be drawn ever closer to her son, to make it to eternal glory. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Did I sense a little bit of a chuckle when I'm talking about the profound beauty of the feminine heart? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> well, Maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm blessed among women. One wife, three daughters. Mm -hmm. So I can't say I fully understand it, but I do know that there is profound beauty in, in the feminine heart. Yeah. And it's, it's been, a, I'm one of four boys, so I really wasn't exposed to it a whole lot growing up. But uh, yeah, that is uh, just one of the uh, beautiful gifts and blessings that I've had in my life is to, to be exposed mm -hmm. to, to that profound beauty. Hmm. And Dave, I guess I didn't realize you grew up with all brothers. Yeah. And, and now you have all girls. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I love that. Maybe a little bit of a insight into my confusion. <laughs> often, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I look forward to uh, uh, this morning's conversation 
first with uh, Dr. Marlin and then uh, with Tina and Carrie. Today's readings are outstanding. Uh, well, first of all, we celebrate uh, St. Marianne Cope, who I know her as serving with uh, St. Damien of Molokai uh, to the lepers and um, how she gave her life. But I know also the um, first reading today at Mass from the second book of Samuel, mm-hmm. um, I think fits nicely with our discussion today as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as I was reading it, um, I just found it so fitting. Uh, so Samuel says here, Then David, grit with loin apron, came dancing before the Lord with abandon, as he and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the sound of the horn. And the word abandon just kept on um, just popping out to me because it just, this very understanding Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant Mm. and reminding me just that, yeah, I do. I want to give my whole self to the Lord. And, and there is an abandonment that needs to happen. And, and if Mary helps me do that perfectly, then I want to become, come before the new Ark, right. And just allow her to lead me to our Lord. Uh, And actually in today's meditation of the day, also in the Magnificat, I was just really struck by the meditation there that it says, when we are blessed to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, we are faced with a similar grace that the Virgin Mary received during the incarnation. And that just really struck me because as we come to mass, getting to receive our Lord, uh, there is this intimacy that we get to experience with Mary in, in a, in a removed way in the way that she said yes to our Lord. Mm. And, uh, I think in particular, it stood out to me because before I receive communion, I do like to ask our lady for those special graces to receive him well, because she did it the best. Right. 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 Well, and her mission is to bring us closer to her son. And I think very often, at least in my experience, that means untying a lot of knots that are that are keeping me from the Lord. And this devotion, which I, you know, discovered not too long ago, Marianne Dewar of Knots, mm-hmm. um, really bringing them to Mary so that she can help untie and unclutter and clean up everything that isn't giving, you know, isn't pure in my heart and keeping me from the Lord so then I can better approach him, especially at mass and and going uh, uh, before uh, the altar for the Eucharist. It's such a great preparation at mass. Say, Mary, untie, undo what's, you know, what's keeping me from your son. Mm -hmm. So lots to unpack here today. We're pleased to welcome here into the St. Gabriel Cafe, the Senior Director of Evangelization for our fine diocese, Dr. Marlon Delatore. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning, David and Amanda. How are you both? Good morning. Fantastic. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Back in the swing of things uh, in the office and department, so we're just busy, busy getting ready for more formation, courses, teaching, instruction, all that good stuff. Yeah. Did you make it to the march? 
I did, yes. We, we had a contingent to the march. Uh, Bishop Fernandez, uh, our whole department, uh, members of the Catholic Schools Office, uh, Respect Life, uh, Social Concerns, we all went as a contingent, and we had multiple schools and parishes that attended, and we gathered as a diocese for the first time uh, to walk the march. So we were there for three days. So it was good. It was a good time. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you made it back here safely and spending some time now in Columbus. Yeah, amen. It was a little bit warmer here than it was in, in D.C., so. Well, that's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, and there's some warmer weather on the horizon, too, once we make yeah, it through this looking, looking slush. Forward to that, so. Yeah. Well, Doctor, I wanted to pick up our conversation on mm -hmm. uh, the essential aspects of evangelization. We had just sure. started to touch on last week uh, the method of evangelization, mm -hmm. discipleship, and you offered uh, a quote from Evangelii Nuntiandi, uh, mm -hmm. paragraph 60, evangelization is for no one an individual and isolated act. It is right. one that is deeply ecclesial. What do we mean by that, by deeply ecclesial? Well, the, the, there's a person here, the term ecclesial or ecclesia uh, means of the church, of the mind of the church, for the church. And so what St. Paul VI was trying to emphasize in Evangelium the Andiori Evangelization of the Modern World is that there, there is a process by you and I being children of God, creating His image of likeness, that we are called to basically be representatives of the Word of God. So every human being who's able to speak, proclaim through their eyes, through their senses, um, is to, in effect, uh, announce the kingdom of God by, by virtue of our creation, and then even more so by virtue of our baptism. So when we walk into these universalities, when we walk into these known entities that we are His children, we bear His image, and then we are strengthened in that identity. Uh, not that it wasn't strengthened before, but it is, for, it is affirmed directly by the, by the sacrament of baptism. We enter into this kingdom now even more so because of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who became man and was fully human and fully divine. Now we are part of this resonant universal church. Now we are part of the kingdom of God in a more fuller sense. Now we see our responsibility. So St. Paul VI is referencing that that it can't be a single-minded or a diverse or a hidden message when we begin to evangelize or, in other words, proclaim the gospel. We have to be within the mind of God, within the mind of Christ, within the mind of the Holy Spirit. And so our ability to transmit the faith, to proclaim the Word of God, to proclaim joy, must be within the line of the Church. So we are part of the universal kingdom of God, one holy Catholic and apostolic. And that means that there, there's a centrality to our message. It must be Christ crucified. That, that, that Christ-centered approach and that methodology, that message, must always be centered around what Christ did, who He is, as fully human, fully divine, what He did on the cross, and then what happened afterwards at the resurrection and the ascension and the establishment of the Church. So this is really a full unpacking of that particular article and evangelization on the world, because if we go outside the church, all right, and we try to go above God, then we're really going to just, we're picking up straws with nothing for it. And we're basically shooting darts in an open field, not hitting anything. Mm. And, and this, is, this is the key for us, that when we are going to speak, the aim is to have Christ with us, to be docile to his message, 
and then and being docile, our message is strengthened because it's not my voice, but it's His through me. And, and this is all part of this understanding of being with the church, uh, being ecclesial in nature, and how we speak about God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Dr. Marlon Delatore, the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese. So we know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there, there's so through the church we have that clarity mm-hmm. and consistency of understanding mm-hmm. it is um and with that one heart our our discipleship efforts our evangelization um has a lot more power a lot more punch mm-hmm. when we're all working together it, it, it does because it, for example, Dave, you have a distinctive gift. You have a distinctive charism uh, and be able to, to convey a story. Amanda, you have a great way of going down deeper into the, the crevices of a particular message of, of church teaching or the gospel. And so when you combine both, you have a beautiful, what we call a symphony of faith. And so it's to your point, Dave, when we begin to unwrap this ability that we have to mm. speak of God and speak well of Him, we are part of a grand symphony. I love that. that. Yeah. So the, the symphony really is, is orchestrated by our Lord, and so we are part of the orchestra. And as part of the orchestra, we have to be in tune and sing. <clears throat> so whether you have a, a high note or a low note, whether you, you are on A or you're basically a D chord, right, whatever the case may be, everything has to connect in some way. And when you look at this divine symphony, that we are part of the symphony of faith, uh, basically, the master conductor, who is God, has placed us in the position, all right, to to give a harmony or to display a, a beautiful tone of love. And so, when an orchestra has an uh, instrument, whether they have the flute, the oboe, the violin, the cello, the viola, whatever the case may be, every instrument has a distinctive sound, and every instrument has a distinctive purpose. And so, your charism, Amanda's, mine. Our, our listeners currently, all right, on, on San Gabriel Radio, all have a distinctive sound. And that sound really will be channeled back to our Lord because we're preaching Jesus Christ crucified, albeit in the way that we understand it based on our experience, based on our gifts and our charisms. But when put together, you have this beautiful symphony of faith. And when you put it all together, you have basically a group of people on fire for the Lord proclaiming Christ and being uh, uh, and deferring to him. And so this is all part of this grand symphony of grace and symphony of faith that we participate in, which I think is just miraculously and marvelously beautiful. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Dr. Marlin, how marvelously beautiful it is, because it, it does make me think how unfortunate it is sometimes when when maybe we envy the gift of others or wish them. that we had other talents, and yet... Mm-hmm. If we were all the trombone, right, where would the flute be or where would the violin be? And, and we wouldn't be able to make that symphony. Correct. Correct, Amanda. I think um, our human condition says, I want that. That sounds better to me without really uh, putting yourself in a position, well, how do I sound? Or what is it that God asks of me uh, to and how to evangelize, how to proclaim the kerygma, the kerygma being the, the principal element of the Word of God. And what I mean by that is, all right, the kerygma establishes 
uh, the symphony of God's voice, of his message. And then evangelization is the work of the kerygma, where you continue to manifest that gift. And so when we see somebody w- with a great gift, well, of course we want it. Why not? I mean, we, we tend to be, be somewhat jealous of it because it sounds so beautiful. But then that's the beauty of it. We recognize beauty. And so in recognizing beauty, we're able to somehow lessen that desire to have that, that person's cares and, and realize, hey, I have an ability to recognize beauty. What else can I use that gift for? And recognizing these, these distinctive talents that I have. And so when you look at this, this beautiful premise of evangelization and the methodology and looking at uh, evangelization in the modern world, politics, Article 60, and when you look at this whole process, uh, there is a beauty because the essential thing uh, that we have is we're called to really be empowered by our Lord. And when we feel empowered, when we feel gifted, then we don't want someone else's gift. And so we, we need to ask for it. and say, Lord, I am docile to you. Please uh, allow me to see what I don't see so I may serve others who are in need, so to speak. And, and that becomes really a way, uh, an antidote to that. I love that image. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're speaking with uh, Marlon, uh, Dr. Marlon Delatore, the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese. Let's jump into, Doctor, the uh, methodology uh, mm-hmm. that Jesus himself uh, demonstrates uh, for mm-hmm. evangelization. So, to put words to it, selected, empowered, and sent. Sure, absolutely. So the the identity is this: Christ, first and foremost, resonates with man by really exemplifying his humanity. So the way to to evangelize, all right, is first and foremost to address the human condition or the human nature of the person, um, and, and that's done for a very particular reason. You want relatability. You want identity. You want a commonality. You're trying to find something that you could have the person relate to you. And so our Lord is fully human. And he begins to exemplify certain acts, traits that are seen as phenomenal and also looked upon with a bewilderment by, by the people of God. Like, who is this man? This not, is this not the, the son of Joseph, the carpenter, but, but he, he's, how can he come into Jerusalem? So all these things are, are happening, but there's a human condition involved. And so when you do that, you begin to <clears throat> empower the person and they, be, they go from this sense of um, inquiry to investigation. Now I want to know you. Now <clears throat> I desire to know what are you, who are you, what are you doing? So when, when Christ selects you, when he starts to, to address these things, then you unpack this human condition. And the only way we can really effectively evangelize is not by any type of um, material or program or the latest um, bad on on social media, it's the human being. So when you take the time to address a human being, that's respect, that's dignity, even if a person may not want to talk to you. Believe me, I've had many of those. Um, but you still persist because the person eventually will say, all right, I may not like you, but I'll talk to you. Fine, you're persistent. Okay, I get it. And so this is how our Lord works. And so he addresses our human frailties and conditions, not by condemning, first of all, but by challenging. But the moment we deviate, then he does condemn. And this is what we tend to forget, that he addresses a deviation once it's committed, and then he literally doubles down on you. And this is part of this initial 
uh, fray regarding evangelization. Uh, this becomes the whole point of the uh, of the process, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, D- Dr. Marlon Delatore with us here in the cafe. We're talking about methods of uh, evangelization. So let's um, spend more time, Doctor, on on the first step here. Selected. Okay. Okay. I, I think when when you select select in context, you can look at John chapter ten, uh, the Great Good Shepherd discourse, or you can look at the whole premise of uh, John the Baptist in John three thirty, where he says, "I must decrease, he must increase." Or when you look at the uh, the principal agents of one Corinthians fifteen, where Saint Paul is recounting the significance of Christ and how we are selected. All right, to be disciples, and he echoes this very clearly and demonstratively where he tells the disciples, you are called to be a Christ, okay? And we are called to be imitators of him. And so th- this premise of selection really becomes part of this evangelization process where you're introducing the Word, all right, you embrace the Gospel, you, you make this invitation, this commitment, and then you try to follow up with that person. So selection really is the initial offspring the introduction of the, the, the germinating points of how to proclaim the Word of God, because we have to understand that we are children of God. We, we um, are chosen all right, by baptism. And the, the moment of our baptism signifies an opportunity to breathe in our Lord and to exhale His grace and His mercy to those who really need to hear it. And so the, this process of selection, as He selected the apostles, if you read Matthew's Gospel, um, He did this after an initial proclamation an initial expression next to of God's faith through His Son, through the Our Father, through the Beatitudes, and then He began to basically announce, "This is who I am. Come, follow me." And so here comes Peter, James, John, Philip, Andrew, and all of a sudden they they, they drop everything that they're doing and they and they welcome Him and they receive Him. And this is a distinction: Well, God selects you, are we open to be received? And this is important in our evangelization process because we cannot force a selection. We cannot impose anything on a human being. We have to offer them the opportunity to, to sense and to receive grace, to receive mercy, to receive acceptance, and then from there have this initial trust to turn away from those things that are inhibiting that person from seeing God more clearly. And this is all part of the selection process. Um, it, it echoes the catechumenal model. It echoes when someone uh, who is an inquirer a candidate uh, who's baptized or a catechumen unbaptized, they want to know, is this my path? A- am I finally coming home? Am I part of this kingdom? Uh, am I part of this ecclesial mm. understanding? Uh, uh, do I fit in the symphony? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, do I fit in? And may I have an instrument, please? So this is one of the beautiful things, is the person's asking you, ooh, may, may, may I have that? May I have that flute? Can, can, I, can I play that flute? but I don't know how to play it yet, well, let me teach you. Mm-hmm. And th- this becomes part of this selection of this gradual progression or a conversion of faith. When you teach the person how to play the flute, and then you have this smile on their face when they can, and they're part of the orchestra. Yeah. Now they're part of the divine symphony. The greatest thing on earth. Dr. Marlin, it just makes me think of the need of our own conviction of yep. realizing and accepting that we are called and a part of the symphony um, mm-hmm. because we can't give that to others unless we really truly root ourselves in realizing we are selected, we are called, we are chosen. 
Um, Mm. And I think it's so important to just remind ourselves, like, not only by virtue of being created by God, but like you said, by our baptism, that is truly rooted in us. We are called and selected and we are chosen. We are part of the symphony. And then hopefully from that being rooted in that, rooting in our identity, Mm. then that can flow out to others. And then we can invite them to the symphony. Mm, Beautifully said, because no one wants a sour note. And, 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 and we, we have to always be in tune. So I, I, love, I love that backdrop, Amanda, because it's important that we're always spiritually tuned so the person can really, uh, in essence, experience uh, the, the joy of our symphony, living in the symphony of grace uh, on a daily basis. And that opens the door for the person to see the value and the importance of the sacramental life. And I think that that's part of this whole process of evangelization. We don't select or lead a person to be sacramentalized. We, we select them, we're selected by God, we're created in image of likeness, to be bearers of the good news and to be in love with Him. And that the sacraments are specific graces given to us by our Lord to, excuse me, strengthen that symphony of grace. It's some of the most profound things that you can experience in the sacrament of life where we see the orchestra happening before our very eyes in the Holy Mass where you see the choirs of angels and saints literally surrounding that altar at the consecration, all in perfect tune, in joy, and hoping, at least from my perspective, that everybody in the congregation sees it. Amen. And not just, see, not just sees a, a piece of bread that they're going to receive, but they see Him. Mm-hmm. And that there's joy, and that if you had no music at all in the Mass, all right, but you can hear something. Yeah. You can hear joy. That's where we want to get everyone to. Dr. Marlon De La Torre, this has been such an edifying conversation. I, I can't wait to dive into more next Tuesday. Yeah, you're going to be back with us next Tuesday. I'll be back next Tuesday. As far excuse me, as far as I know, the schedule's clear. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Thank you so much, Doctor. You're welcome. God bless you both. Have God, a great week. God bless you. That was Dr. Marlon De La Torre, the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese. Coming up next, we'll have Tina Birch and Carrie Schutz. Dot with us to talk about Undone. Stay with us. O oh, good Jesus, you are the Most High God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. We implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need. Your protection we implore. Forgive our sins and heal our wounds. Strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory. Keep far from us any illness, pestilence, or harm. You are our refuge. You are our comfort. You are our hope. Through the intercession of Our Lady, health of the sick, we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. 
This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of sincerity is seen in St. Vincent Ferrer. He lived sincerity heroically by expressing genuine concern for others with great zeal. Vincent was a Dominican friar who loved people so much that he was not afraid to preach boldly about the reality of evil and sin. People saw the truth of Vincent's words and deeds and knew he cared for their souls. His sincerity led many to conversion and a life of holiness. Let us ask St. Vincent Ferrer to pray for us, that we too may grow in sincerity. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn. And coming up January 25th through the 27th, the Undone Women's Retreat at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. Details are online at jp2healingcenter.org. That's J-P-I-I, healingcenter.org. We're thrilled to have with us here in the cafe, Tina Birch. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. It's great to be here. <laughs> and by phone from Tallahassee, Florida, Carrie shoots Daunt. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Thanks I'm for having me. A little envious that you're in Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, when you when you come here in a in a week, no. we'll have spring. Tomorrow night. Well, yeah. well tomorrow right. night. It will be uh, really beautiful. Actually, we night. will actually, have a bit. It's, <laughs> it's a little cold and rainy in Tallahassee, so I can't brag about our Florida weather today. Well, good. good. <laughs> You're a little less jealous now, Dave. That's huh? it. That's exactly <laughs> it. I, I love uh, Carrie the uh, the title of um of of your book mm-hmm. and. One phrase in particular, I'm not an expert on the feminine heart, but the um, subtitle, Freeing Your Feminine Heart from the Knots of Fear and Shame. Mm. It's just not the clutter or the the dirtiness or the untidiness of fear and shame. They're actually, it's tied into knots. Mm. Mm. And... The, the way I see um, this women's retreat uh, as an opportunity uh, for women to come together uh, in prayer, in, in, in front of the tabernacle, in front of our Lord, through Mary, to untie all these knots that have happened in lives over a course of years. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, as we kind of our starting point is the knot of Eve's disobedience is untied, this quote by St. Irenaeus, by, by Mary, you know, by her yes, by her fiat. And really the, the course of the weekend is, is just this opportunity to begin to examine, like, what are the knots in our hearts? What are the places where we are bound and tied? Um, like Eve, you know, after the fall, and how are we living out of those places? And where does the Lord want to bring deep freedom in our hearts? Like, where does he want to restore and redeem the places where we're living in fear and shame, where we're living um, with, with the wounds that have been inflicted on us um, by the world? And, um, and really, where, where are we believing lies about ourselves? Um, and contrary to our God-given nature, especially as women, uh, to be these beautiful, um, wonderful beacons of, of hope and light and, and life bearers for the world. And um, so, so, yeah, the desire for this weekend is really to begin to, to look at these, these different threads, the different places in our hearts that have been tied. Um, 
and 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 begin to ask Mary to to undo some of these knots uh, that that live deeply in our hearts, so we can live more freely and love more freely. Go ahead, Amanda. Carrie, Carrie, how do we know if we have knots? Like, what if some of us are wondering, <laughs> well, is this something I need to consider? Should I do this? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a great question. Uh, it's funny, my um, my oldest son was home. Uh, he's in college, but he was home for the break, and he was out playing in the yard. And um, he ran into his other brother, and he came in, and he was like, my hand really hurts, Mom. And I'm like well, honey, it looks like it's starting to swell. Maybe it's broken. He's like, no, 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 it's not broken. I'm fine. I'm fine. He's a college athlete. And he didn't want to like recognize the fact that maybe he was hurt. Mm. So a couple of days later, it's still swollen. <laughs> and I was like, you really need to go to the doctor. We need to go look. And sure enough, it was broken. Oh no. And I think so often each of us in our lives, like we're not immune to getting hurt. So we have these wounds in our hearts and we think that we're okay. We think that we can, we can muscle through and it's not until someone like bumps into, you know, our little wounds that we begin to see, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not feeling as good as I thought I was. And, and the truth of the matter is, is none of us can escape, you know, how we're hurt. We live in relationships. We're made for relationships and relationships can be often very painful. And so each of us in our lives have experienced some sort of some wound or some sort of pain. And, and so often we think, okay, we're okay. We don't have to respond to it. And really that, you know, as the old motto goes, like, hurt people, hurt people. And so oftentimes when I can see, like, okay, this is a place in my own heart that the Lord wants to take me some deeper places of healing is when I am hurting the people around me that I love the most. Um, and so maybe there's there's just something in your life that you just, um, maybe you don't recognize as being a knot, but as you begin to see, like, oh, this is a place I continue to react and respond that isn't, you know, equal to the situation or the circumstance in front of me and, and how can I love better? And, and I think if each of us were to take a look at our life circumstances, even if we were very loved, there are places in our hearts, there are places in our story that we really don't want to look at. We don't want to examine because maybe they're too painful or maybe um, we think that we can just muddle along and we'll do fine on our own. (laughs) Um, you know, just trying to get by. and um, But really, like, the intent here is not to, like, navel gaze and look at it and say, okay, where do I need healing and where can I be a better person? But really, how can I love better? How can I be the disciple that, that Jesus has called me to be, to be this, um, this life-giving woman who can, who can love others well because I don't have the clutter and the, the you know, pain of, of the things that I've been carrying for so long. Carrie mm. shoots Staunt from the JP2 Healing Center here in the cafe with Tina Birch, the Director of Evangelization and Formation at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. Why, why now, Tina? Um, you're on the front lines, you know, with, uh, with the men and women in your parish. Why, why is this important to talk about now? I think it's, it's important for all of us to talk about it. We, we prefer not to feel pain. We prefer to move on, push it down. Um, we're walking wounded quite mm-hmm. often. Uh, and I think as women, we make a way for everyone else. We change mm-hmm. our schedule. We're flexible. We, we take the hit so that everyone else in our family or our friends in our lives can, can have what they want and what they need. We're willing to sacrifice, but sometimes the sacrifice is too great. And I think we aren't always willing to take care of ourselves. And 
we deserve it. We deserve mm. to take care of ourselves. We can be so much more to our families if we're healed and living in freedom. And it doesn't happen just on the weekend. A lot will happen on the weekend, but it takes time. Um, I experienced some really great healing when we brought in Healing the Whole Person, but it took several months afterwards to dig deep. Mm. But it was so it was so worth it. I, and Carrie, you were saying that we sometimes we know those wounds are there, but we ignore them. I didn't even know I had one. Mm. I just <laughs> made a way to live out of it because I thought that was right. I thought someone was right about me. Mm. And they weren't. Mm. Mm. We're talking about the Undone Women's Retreat coming up on January 25th through the 27th at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. Uh, Carrie shoots Staunt with us from the JP2 Healing Center. Give us a little background, Carrie, on, on the JP2 Healing Center. Let's start with Healing Center and why, mm-hmm. why um, you all have determined this as, as, as your mission, as, uh, as your apostolate. And then make the link for us. We love JP2. Can you make the link <laughs> then between a Healing Center and being the JP2 Healing Center? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, for years and years and years, my dad, Dr. Bob Schutz, um, who has, is the founder of the center, uh, did um, counseling, family counseling, um, and, and really deep, you know, beautiful years of 30 years of, of, of counseling. And what he was realizing is he would spend all of these years with the same people, and um, while they would have, like, some minor breakthroughs, uh, it wasn't until he began to start praying with his clients that they began to have these huge shifts in, in their encounters with, they're having encounters with Jesus. You know, they weren't just going to a counselor. They weren't just talking about the things that were um, very serious. And, and there's definitely room for um, good Catholic therapy. But when he began praying with his clients, he realized like these huge breakthroughs began to happen and they didn't need to come back every week. And so um, one of the things that he began doing is starting working with some of the leaders in the church, uh, and particularly many of our priests and our deacons and our seminarians. And when he began to do that, then there became um, this, this beautiful ripple effect of these priests going like, I just had this huge encounter with with, with healing with, with the Lord, and, and I want to bring this back to my parish. I want to bring this back to my diocese. And um, and so the center was kind of born out of these, these first seminary and priest retreats. Um, and now we have this beautiful ministry that's, um, we have bishop retreats, retreats for sisters, priests, um, obviously lay people, women, men, um, and married couples. And uh, really the John, the John Paul II Healing Center is, is based on these beautiful teachings of John Paul II. So each of our conferences are, um, are really deeply grounded in the truth of who we are as human beings, which John Paul II was so passionate about, like who we are and who we're made to be. And so each of these pieces of our identity, you know, as married couples, as men, as women, as priests, um, as sisters, are so deeply rooted in our fundamental identity as people. And so what John Paul II does so beautifully is is really reconciles this, this desire, this ache for something more, you know, which we all experience. Um, with with this beautiful teaching on on what does it mean to be a human person. So at each of these conferences, um, you know, we we definitely have these beautiful prayer experiences built in and these opportunities for communion and and togetherness and and a small group for the women. But but really, like, how do we understand who we are as a person, who we're created to be, so that we can begin to live out of that truth? And, you know, just as Tina was saying, like, so often we live out of a lie. We live out of a lie of who we are. And 
and to have some real teaching to ground us in the truth of that and then to be able to follow up with with interactions of our hearts. So it's a place of, of really deeply soaking in the truth of who we are and and then to begin to um, to look at the places in our heart that, that that God wants to restore and redeem. And it's just coupling, you know, the head and the heart in those places, like to understand who we are and then to to see the gap in that reality and to ask Jesus to continue to fill those holes. Carrie, uh, as you're explaining all this and describing just all the retreats that you have for religious, for clergy, you know, for lay people, everyone, there's something welling up in me just so excited for what would a healed church look like? And uh, I'm sure because you've gotten the opportunity to, to work with the people and do these retreats, have you gotten just a glimpse of that at some point? Just yeah, it is, what that it might is, look I, like. It is so beautiful. It is just so beautiful. Really, just to see. My dad was just over last night for dinner, um, and he was just sharing. They just got the um, their feedback from the priestly evaluations from their last priest retreat that they had last week. And he said... Like several of them said, my life is completely changed. Like my life is completely changed. And so just to be able to hear, you know, here we are here, the, the beautiful priest of our church having these deep transformations in their hearts and being able to go back to their parishes is just a full gift. And, and, you know, people like Father Dave, who is bringing us here, have, has been a part of our ministry and has, has worked with us. And to be able to bring that and say, you know what, this, is, this was beautiful for me, and now I want to share it with, the, with my own sisters, my own daughters, and my own parish, uh, my own children, you know, and, um, and just bringing that, that, that healing and hope to the women of his, his parish and to the diocese and, and to the area um, is, is just a beautiful testament, I think, to what, what's happening in the church and, and, you know, being able to see women, um, you know, and we got the privilege a few times to go back to places we've already been. And it's beautiful to see how many people, the people we've been to have brought with them saying, no, no, I want this for my daughter. I want this for my sister. I want this for my mother. I want them to be able to experience this. And, um, and it's, I don't know, it's such a gift to my heart. I, I constantly feel humbled. I constantly feel humbled with the, the gift to be able to, to be, um, in this place and to do healing ministry and just to see the, the transformation that takes place. Like Tina said, sometimes it's, it's in a weekend and sometimes it's just this beautiful beginning of a process to begin to pull these threads. Um, but it, it's just, it never, it never ceases to bring me joy and amazement to see what the Lord can do with our little offering of time to say, okay, Lord, I'll show up for this, this weekend and, and just the work that he wants to do in our hearts. Carrie Schutz-Stott from the JP2 Healing Center here in the cafe with Tina Birch, the Director of, of Evangelization and Formation at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. We're talking about the upcoming Undone Women's Retreat happening January 25th through the 27th. Details online at jp2healingcenter.org. That's jpiihealingcenter.org. You had a great turnout when you were in... Um, Columbus for healing the whole person. I, I think that was at, at St. Paul's. When did that? That wasn't too long ago, right? Yeah, St. Paul's was uh, a year ago, December. Year? We okay. had healing the whole person in at St. Francis okay. and Father Wilson attended and he said, oh, you're coming to St. Paul's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is that powerful. Mm -hmm. yeah. how, how do these, uh, these two events fit together? Uh, so you have healing the whole person is undone 
right on the tails of that or are they really two two different events I'll, I mean, obviously, you go ahead, Carrie. Oh, go yeah. ahead, you go ahead, Carrie. Yeah, because you're the expert. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I um, I think that they're both beautifully connected in, in many ways. Like healing the whole person definitely gets into the understanding of what is what is a wound, what does that mean, what does that look like, and really the depth of of this whole healing mission, this 2000 healing mission of the church, um, and it's beautiful, uh, and I highly recommend it for anyone who hasn't gone. Um, what Undone does is a little bit different. Is um, is really focusing on the feminine identity, really focusing on what does it mean to be a woman and how, uh, in particular, women, how are we made and what happened in the fall that the, the intent of who we are and who we were created to be became twisted and distorted by the lies that we began to believe. And so most of the weekend is to begin to kind of understand the filter, the lens in which we've been looking at things and being able to, to understand the truth of who we are and how Mary lives in that place of truth, our truest feminine identity. And how does that practically look like as women? What does that look like as we're living in it? So it's tailored more to the healing of the feminine heart. Um, we're healing the whole person is profoundly beautiful weekend that I would encourage everyone to attend. But you don't have to do one before the other. Um, they're, they're both very different and distinct, if, if that answers your question. It does. Yeah. Yes. Um, I agree, and thank you for clarifying all of those things, Carrie. Um, Mary is the glorious crown of creation, and we look to her to um, be the um, the woman that God created us to be in the confusion of the world, which is just so crazy right now. It just keep, seems to keep getting worse. Um, the other thing that I uh, think about with women is we we have this to-do list, and, and it's pretty long sometimes, and our families are demanding and deserving of, of our time. Uh, that is for sure. But Jesus isn't a to-do list. Like he, mm. we want to encounter him and we want to let him in. And, um, I know that there are probably a lot of women out there saying, I don't have time. I have I got a basketball game. I have this to go to. I got a swim meet. We, we're going to make sure my kids have this. And that is, those are all valid things that, that we want to support our family and be there for them. But there are so many basketball games and there are so many swim meets and there are many opportunities for us to be there for our families. But if you can carve out the time to be at this retreat, it is so worth it. And it will continue to give you joy and grace and freedom. And your family will see it. Mm -hmm. Your family will benefit from um, you feeling fed, loved, known, cared for, um, and healed. How, how, Amanda, you had brought up earlier. Um, just do we even recognize, you know, that there that there's these knots? How, how fundamental and foundational is it, Carrie, to understand that we are confused, that we live in in such distortion? that um, we may not even recognize just the problems because we settle in to this, we make confusion normal, I guess is, is, is one way to say it. How, how much of um, bringing all of this into the light, um, how foundational is that? I mean, for most women, this is a paradigm shift. <laughs> It's an it's a understanding. I know for me, when I began my own healing journey, there was this lie that I believed that I was alone, that no one understood or no one could understand. And when I began to do prayer ministry with women um, years ago, um, 
it was the same theme I heard over and over and over again, no matter how many women I prayed with. I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm alone. And we have these these places in our hearts that we feel like like we're the ones living in the distortion. There's something fundamentally wrong with us, um, which we can't see. It's the lens in which we've been looking through. And so one of the things that inspired me to write the book and to begin doing these women's conferences is, is just to vulnerably share some of the places in my own heart and some of the places you know, as the rest of the team, like, we're not here to tell you how to be a better person. <laughs> we're here just to walk with you into these deep places in your heart. And, like, when we begin to recognize these lies, like, these these fundamental places in which we've been living, like you said, like, we may not even recognize it, then we begin to live more deeply in the truth. Because I think so often we're so comfortable with the distortion that it feels like truth. And until we're able to recognize the truth of who we are and who we're created to be, we, we really can't be empowered to live more fully and freely or desire to live more fully and freely in who we are and who we're created to be. And the fruit of that, the fruit of that is beyond, like, our comprehension or understanding. And, and you know, my desire for women, my desire for, for the women there in the Columbus area and the diocese is, is like, just to be... Um, for them to know that they're not alone, wherever they are, in whatever circumstance, whatever stage of life, that there's this beautiful communion of, of women who are walking through these deep places in their own hearts. And, and whether we're able to recognize that or not, that, like, there's more. There's more than what we've been experiencing. There's more than the, than the place of the ache in our hearts just that we desire for a deeper relationship with our families and, and with our loved ones and those around us. Carrie Schutzstaunt and Tina Birch were talking about the upcoming Undone Women's Retreat, January 25th through the 27th at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. Details online at jp2healingcenter.org. I wear glasses, and it wasn't until <laughs> I got I got into the studio this morning, took them off and looked at them, and, and just how gross they are. I'm like, I, I've been walking around with these smudges and I that was just I didn't even realize I was staring through mm. dirty lenses and you know you, you wipe them off and then it's like oh my gosh this is the way things actually look and this is the way that things are meant to look yeah. um, maybe a small example but mm -hmm. um, I think it fits nicely what what you were what you were saying Carrie Absolutely. That's a beautiful analogy. It's one that we use too, like that, what are the lens in which we're looking at the world and, and what is it that, that God wants us to see about our femininity? And there's so much beauty to it. And I really feel like if, if, if we as women began to live more fully in who we are and we're created to be like, we're going to stop the world on fire. Like this is the ache of the world. Even we just need that feminine heart, the softness, the goodness, the receptivity, the beauty, um, and I think so often as women, we think we have to, like Tina said, we have to be all to everybody else. And in the meantime, we've abandoned our post, our primary post of, and I know for myself, when I walk outside of that place in which the Lord's called me to be, like, I've abandoned the beautiful gift of femininity in my home and in my friendships and in my, you know, every area of influence. And, and you know, as the great Edith Stein said, like, the world doesn't, want what women have and need who women are. Mm. Mm, say that again. The world doesn't need what women or want what women have. It needs who women are. Whoa. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Actually, Tina, I really appreciated when you shared, you know, so often, and we've been talking about this kind of over and over, this idea of so often we don't actually know the the lies that we walk around with. And, and Tina, in your own experience, when you went on the retreat, it's, I didn't even realize that was there. And uh, just, yeah, the importance of maybe, maybe coming to the retreat, even if you're not sure if, if you have them just with an open heart of like, okay, Lord, what do you want to reveal? If there's something mm-hmm. there, what do you want to reveal? Well, and that would be even further ahead than I was because I was running the retreat mm. and thought I am doing this great thing for all these other people. And when I finally sat down and was receptive, <laughs> keyword, <laughs> Jesus spoke so boldly and clearly to me that I couldn't deny it. Um, and, you know, of course, I'm just like everyone else. We want to look like we have it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm running this retreat and it should be running well. And But um, one thing I learned through all of it is that um, vulnerability, uh, Carrie mentioned our vulnerability, vulnerability. We don't like to be vulnerable, but it's a superpower. Our mm-hmm. vulnerability is a superpower. And every time I wonder or think, maybe I'm being too vulnerable, I look at the cross. Jesus saved the world in his vulnerability. Beautiful. Carrie Shoots Daunt and Tina Birch here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. We're talking about the Undone Women's Retreat coming up the 25th through the 27th of this month. Carrie, I want to shift gears here in the final five or six minutes that we have together. You're also the author of a book for young, young ladies. Yes. <laughs> yes, I saw the cover. I love stuff. the artwork. Yes, it's, yeah, we have quite a few in my office. We're we're ready. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so it just came out this month. Um, it's called Beloved Daughter, and it was really born out of these conferences. So we would go and speak to women, and they would be like, "Oh, this truth this is so beautiful. Like, how do we impart this on my own daughters? Like, how do I prevent them from, you know, not li- living in these lies? You know, that I grew up believing about who I was and who I was created to be, and so." One morning I was just praying and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to write this for, for girls um, and, you know, apart for my own daughters. You know, I have three daughters of my own. Um, and just really to be able to speak the truth of their identity, who they are in Christ, like their identity as beloved. And so each of the, the different um, pages and proclamations of their book are, are just simple truths about who we are and who we're created to be. And, and there's a scripture passage to go with each one of them. And um, uh, Michael Corsini, who is uh, a beautiful Catholic artist and, and musician, um, did the illustrations and just really captured, um, I thought, very exquisitely, just some of the pictures of, of family life and of, of, of these truths and, and really as a way to impart not only like hearing, but, but receiving visually like the truth of who we are and who we're created to be. Well, it's so important that, you know, we, we've, we have generational harm that that occurs especially coming out of all the craziness of uh the last several decades now to be able to help uh grandparents parents aunts and uncles to articulate the truth is so important so that we don't make these same mistakes over and over again uh you know to the upcoming generations so yeah Yeah. thanks for sharing that I think also just real quickly, like the power of a parent or godparent or grandparent reading this to that child, like to their little girl in their life, like there's something so beautiful. It's like offering the words to be able to bless them 
which I know sometimes can feel awkward if we do it without, you know, having these special moments to curl up close to her and to speak that truth over her. Um, I can't wait to read through the the whole book, Carrie, but I did want to mention for women who are wondering how on earth can I make this work, um, the, the JP2 Healing Center has made it so easy to participate in person or on live stream, and you can do a hybrid. <laughs> so if you can't make it on one of the nights, you have that access to live stream if you come in person for two weeks and you can go back and rewatch even if you can be there the whole time. So I just love the way your apostolate has thought about life. You know, mm-hmm. we're challenging people to make the time, but we know we know that what life is like. And I I just love that you you're making it available in so many with so many options. And I would say men also step up now. Now's the right time to uh, <laughs> in, in, invite your wife or uh, the, the ladies in your life to give them permission to go for this retreat mm. and do whatever you need to do to make it possible, whether it's with child care or taking care of errands that typically occur over the course of a weekend. But to, yeah, to step up and recognize that uh, this is important for um for that woman in your life, but then it's also important for all the relationships that you have uh, in in your family uh, too. It's a, it's that important. So mm-hmm. help help make it happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Carrie Shoots, author of Undone. Carrie, just in terms of preparation for the retreat, any thoughts on just the prayer that we can have in our hearts before we get there? Yeah, I think. Just Mary's beautiful player, you know, let it be done, Lord, let it be done. You know, just that receptivity, just as Tina said, I think that's the most important prayer surrender we can offer. And God wants to do the rest. You know, we, we do enough heavy lifting, but, you know, just just to be present like Mary to whatever God wants to do, the Holy Spirit wants to work through us and bring life. Fiat. Right? Fiat, yes. <laughs> Undone, happening on January 25th through the 27th at St. Francis de Sales in Newark. Details at jp2healingcenter.org. Carrie Shute Stont, thanks for being with us this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Look forward Can't to having to you back in Columbus. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. Tina, thank you, as always. Yes, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, let's all pray for the women that will be on this retreat this weekend and then of course coming up in february we have the men's and women's conferences details are online at stgabrielradio.com the women's conference on saturday february 17th the men's on february 24th uh, another great two more great opportunities for us to grow in love of our lord coming up tomorrow in the cafe kathy scanlon from pdhc and madeline pesavento from the women's care center We'll pick up on our conversation on the pro-life movement. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.